Hi, it's uh, Bill Sproul. It's uh, Monday, November the 9th, and I'm here to give you an election recap and implications talk. Um, so on the presidential race, I think most of you are aware that uh, uh, Biden uh, currently has 279 electoral votes, enough to make him president-elect. However, uh, the president has not conceded uh, the election yet, and there are still results uh, needing to come in from Arizona, Georgia, and North Carolina, uh, because those races are not conclusive. Uh, President-elect Biden is proceeding with a transition. Uh, you can expect very swift action on his part um, when he takes office to reverse a bunch of Trump-era policies, including uh, DACA on immigration, um, you know, re-entering the Paris uh, Climate Accord on climate rules, EPA rules, etc. Uh, he will obviously, in the meantime, be focusing on filling cabinet positions, some 4,000 federal appointments that he needs to make, putting a budget together, and cementing his major policy initiatives around things like health care and infrastructure and race. Um, it's the Senate that's really up for grabs at this point. Uh, as of today, it's 48 to 48, Republican and Democrat. Uh, there are two seats in Georgia that have to go for a runoff because no candidate got them more than 50% of the vote. And those runoff races will occur on January the 5th. Um, Alaska and North Carolina Senate seats are also uh, too close to call the Republicans lead. So if it's 50-50 after all those races are concluded, it's actually the Democrats who will control the Senate because Vice President-elect Harris will be presiding and be able to cast the tie-breaking vote. My sense is that the Republicans maintain control of the Senate by a slim majority. It's in the House that perhaps was the most surprising results of the 2020 election. Many of the pollsters and even uh, Republicans agreed that they would lose seats in the House. In fact, they're gaining net seats in the House. Uh, they're picking up a net 5 to 20 seats. The Democrats will still maintain a majority in the House. However, that means that their control is even slimmer, making it more difficult for Speaker Pelosi to govern her caucus, which is a, a bit fractious, um, and the Republicans uh, having well over 190 uh, seats in the House. Locally, um, it was interesting uh, that uh, Colin Allred um, maintained his seat uh, which was, you know, flipped from Republican to Democrat on the last election cycle. And um, the seat vacated by Kenny Marchant, uh, which is a Republican-controlled seat, uh, maintained with a Republican with Beth Van Dyne beating Candace Valenzuela. Um, there had been some talk about a lame duck session of Congress. Uh, as of today, the Senate is back in session, and uh, Leader McConnell has uh, called for the passage of a COVID relief package, or sometimes referred to as Phase, phase 4. Uh, there are some areas of agreement between uh, the Republicans and Democrats on this. However, they are far apart on the total amount of uh, the relief package, with uh, Speaker Pelosi wanting something upwards of $2 trillion, and Leader McConnell in the Senate wanting something closer to a half a billion or a billion dollars. Um, and then, of course, the, the wild card is how does President Trump play with this? Will he go along? Uh, will he not? And we'll have to still see on, on that. Now turning to the state of Texas, um, rather interesting results. Um, much talk of a big blue wave. Well, it hit a big red wall. Um, there was an increase in turnout. 
Um, in fact, it was the largest voter turnout since the 1992 presidential election when uh, Bill Clinton, George H.W. Bush, and Ross Perot Sr. Uh, ran for president. Um, however, uh, President Trump easily won Texas with over 600,000 more votes than uh, Vice President Biden, and Senator Cornyn retained his Senate seat over his challenger, M.J. Hager, with over 1.1 million more votes than her. Uh, that is a remarkable uh, uh, you know, difference in numbers. It shows that it's going to be very difficult for uh, the Democrats to pick up a statewide office seat. And they outspent Republicans handily in terms of television advertising and direct mail um, in uh, the Texas election. And I'll get to uh, how much uh, was spent uh, on uh, Texas House of Representative races in just a moment. Um, as you may know, Governor Abbott uh, did not have to run for re-election. He still has two more years in his current term as governor. Uh, the Texas Senate remains Republican. And as of now, the Texas House is remaining Republican with the same ratio of uh, a majority as they had before the election. And this, again, is despite the massive ad spending that uh, the Democrats and a lot of their affiliates did, Michael Bloomberg uh, bringing tens of million dollars into Texas on advertising, uh, Democratic-controlled national PACs. And so why did the Democrats focus so much on taking the Texas House? Well, it's because redistricting, and that is coming up next year. And if you control redistricting, you control the map for the next 10 years. And so as of now, the Republicans control the governor's office, the Senate, and the House, and they will therefore control redistricting. As you all may recall, uh, the current Speaker of the House, um, Dennis Bond, did not run for re-election uh, after a bit of a scandal. And uh, Representative Dade Phelan from Beaumont, uh, has said that he has a supermajority of Republicans and Democrats who will elect him the next Speaker of the House, and it appears that that is very likely. Um, and locally, uh, many of House Republicans uh, who were targeted by these Democratic PACs won re-election, however, by margins of less than 3%. Jeff Leach of Plano, Angie Chen Button of Richardson and Garland, Matt Shaheen of Plano, and Morgan Meyer of Dallas all won re-election despite having uh, been uh, challenged by well-funded uh, opponents. Uh, the last thing uh, I'll mention are some interesting results, not from Texas, but across the country, particularly in California. Um, California had several interesting ballot propositions, uh, one of which was backed by a lot of the rideshare companies like Uber and Lyft uh, that would not have made uh, their drivers full-time employees but kept them as contractors. That actually passed in California. Um, however, a, uh, another ballot proposition to create a state-level agency to enforce data privacy standards did pass in California. So whether or not those are bellwethers for us or Texas, I don't know. Uh, you know, the ballot initiative proposition in California is fairly easy, and uh, that's why you see so many uh, propositions on the California ballot. In Florida, a statewide proposition did pass that would enact a $15 uh, minimum wage across the board gradually uh, over the next uh, several years. And in Illinois, a uh, ballot proposition to enact a progressive income tax actually failed. So some interesting uh, uh, dynamics, still more to come. I think the biggest thing to watch out for in the coming weeks and months 
are number one, uh, the lawsuits that President Trump is taking uh, to uh, court in uh, numerous states to challenge the election results, and number two are the results of the uh, uh, Senate races, the two in uh, um, in Georgia and the ones in Alaska and North Carolina. And my sense is that depending upon the outcome of how uh, Georgia, North Carolina, and Arizona uh, election results turn out will in part determine whether or not there is any chance of giving a phase four COVID package during the lame duck session. Uh, and you know the dynamics that go to that are always interesting. People are looking for wins, uh, but it could unfortunately continue to be divided government. Uh, more to come. Thanks.